Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, ladies. Good to be with you again. Perhaps you are listening for the first time. We are currently doing a series called How Do We Change the World? And we are finding that we don't change the world by being ordinary, being normal, uh, just status quo. But no, we have to go beyond that. And we're up to point number 15, willingly serving the Lord. We don't just serve the Lord, but we do it willingly. In fact, today we're going to find out even more ways uh, that we can serve the Lord. And last time we looked at that wonderful scripture in Proverbs 31, verse 13, which says that this woman works willingly with her hands. Now we see two things here. We see, first of all, that she works And that's really another name for serving, isn't it? Because when we serve, we have to work. You can't really serve somebody by sitting on the sofa just doing your own thing. You have to get up and serve. Today, the words uh, to serve and also another word that starts with S the word to submit, are not very popular words today. It's more popular to serve yourself, to be independent, to look after yourself. But that's not the Bible way. The Bible way is often, uh, it's opposite to our way. But usually we think our way is best, and so we go along with our way. But if only we could realize that God's ways are the ways that work. And I am always challenged. I have always been challenged all throughout my life by Mark 8, 35. I think it is. Um, let's see. Yes, it is Mark eight thirty-five, where Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life For my sake in the Gospels, the same shall find it. We think that we'll find our lives by saving them, by looking after number one, looking after ourselves, making sure we're looked after and everything is just nice for us and we don't have to do too much. We don't have to pour out our lives for others. But that's not how we find life. We actually find our lives by losing our lives in others, by pouring out our lives for others. As we pour out our lives and serve others, we find our lives, we find fulfillment, we find joy, we find blessing, we find we live an overcoming life. That's just how it works. 
And this comes right into our home, right into our motherhood experience, because once we begin this journey of motherhood, we know that it's going to be a serving experience. We can't be a mother without serving. We can't be a wife without serving. It takes going beyond ourselves, serving another person, pouring out our lives for someone else, for others, for our husband, our children. And as they grow to others outside our home, that is the whole ministry of a woman pouring out her life for her family and for others. And this is in every woman, even single women, women who are not able to have children of their own. They can still fulfill their great calling of motherhood as they pour out their lives for mothers. We always think of Mother Teresa, don't we? Such a great example. But there are many, many other examples too. Uh, and she was a woman who poured out her life for others. She didn't marry. She didn't give birth to children of her own. But she mothered more children than we will ever dream about. She brought life and sustenance and nurturing and care and just the love and compassion of God to thousands and thousands because she was willing to pour out her life. She forgot about her own life, poured out her life for others. This is what serving is all about. And whether we like it or not, we'll need to serve <clears throat> in our families. But how do we do it? Do we do it with joy? Do we do it with a willing heart? Um, I think what we need to do is to realize that this was what Jesus did. I think this is our most wonderful example. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who left the glory of heaven. And he was willing to come to this earth. Not only to come to this earth, to leave the glory of the eternal world, but to come and die. What did Jesus say um, in Matthew? Let's have a look at it here. Matthew 10. No, let's look at the Mark one. Mark 10, 42 to 45. Jesus was speaking here and he says, Whosoever desires to become great among you shall become your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, who was the Son of God, didn't come to be waited on and served. He came to serve, to serve others and to lay down his life. Because that is what serving is. It's a laying down of your life to bless and serve others. So if Jesus could do that, and if he lives in us, surely we will want to do this too. I know many times as I was mothering my children, it just seemed as though all I did was just serve, 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 serve all day long. And sometimes I think, goodness, I'm just a jolly servant. And then the Holy Spirit would come to my heart and say, Nancy, 
Isn't that what I came to do? And once again, I get into perspective. Yes, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to serve. He lives in me. And so this is my life. Praise the Lord. We, we see another example of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. And here Paul is writing to the Philippians and he says, Let this mind or this attitude be in you. In other words, have the same attitude Jesus had. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. Did you get that, ladies? And took upon him servanthood. He took that upon him and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is another challenging scripture. I often think that if we were only allowed one scripture in the whole of the Bible uh, for us to uh, know how to live a successful marriage, this would be the scripture. Of course, we have been given so many more. But if we took this one, just this one, and we sought to have the same attitude that Jesus had, who was willing to lay down his Godhead, who was willing to become a servant, who was willing to humble himself, who was willing to become obedient to the Father's will. My, I don't think we'd have any problems in our marriage. Don't you think that's right? If we could just have this beautiful serving attitude because this is the heart of Jesus. This is the attitude of Jesus. Just the other day I was posting a message on Facebook as I do each day. Uh, I hope you get on to these messages above Ruby's Facebook and I write a little post each day to encourage you as a wife and a mother, and I was writing about the different characteristics of Jesus, and are these characteristics in us? And of course, one of them was a serving attitude. So I'm looking for a picture. That's usually my most difficult thing in posting um, a post on Above Rubies, and that is to find the picture to go with the article. And I was looking and looking, what am I going to post? And I found this lovely picture of a wife serving her husband. Her husband was at the table and she was serving him his food. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of serving. But it was an old black and white picture. And I thought, isn't that interesting? I couldn't find a modern picture of a wife serving her husband. It's not kind of the thing that's so done today, but back it was normal. I, I remember even when I was growing up as a child, that was a normal thing for a wife to serve her husband and to have a meal ready for her husband when he came in after a day's work. 
She didn't say, oh, you're home. Oh, well, I better get something out of the cupboards. Oh, fix yourself something. No, it was her joy and her delight to have a meal ready, waiting on the table, ready for her husband. That is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful uh, serving ministry of a wife to her husband and to her family. I remember when I was um, courting my husband, or should I say, he was courting me, and I was visiting his home in a different city, and uh, their grandfather had a farm, a bush farm, way out, and sometimes he would come by to see them. He'd always turn up at a mealtime, because being on his own, away out in the bush, well, he didn't often have very good meals. And so as he was coming past the window, he would call out, pour out the gravy, because back in New Zealand, that was part of our um, just a normal evening meal. It was usually roast lamb and roast potatoes and pumpkin and parsnips and always gravy with your meat. And uh, so what was he doing when he said that? Okay, I'm here. It's time to put the meal on the table and pour out the gravy. Now, I think some women would feel most offended if their husband said that as he came um, past the window or even in the door. But that was normal back then. He wasn't doing anything that was abnormal. It was expected. And... Why shouldn't it be expected? God created us to be helpmeets to our husbands, to be helpers to them. And that is definitely not an insignificant thing because that word help in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word ezer, E-Z-E-R, that word was first used to describe women. But that word is also used to describe God, the one who is our help and our shield, who comes to help us. It's a, it's a character quality of God himself. And so in our embracing that, we have the privilege to be like God, and we are as God to our husband as we serve him. And the Hebrew word even takes on more meaning. It's a word that means to save, and it's a word that means to be strong. Um, It's a woman of strength and honor who um, has that grace to serve her husband. She's not some like some little three-year-old, some immature person who hasn't even grown up yet, who has to have her own way and do her own thing and can't serve anybody else. That is immaturity because serving comes with maturity. Have you noticed that, ladies? Serving comes with maturity Little children don't really know how to serve. They're very self-serving. We're having to look after them and and they're very self-centered. And it takes time for them to learn to get beyond that and not be taken up with themselves. But as they get older, to see that the world does not revolve around them. And we have to also teach them that. I hope you're teaching your children that uh, the world does not revolve around them. 
and uh, they should not get anything, everything they want just when they ask it. That every time you go to the shops, oh, I can, I have that, and if they don't, they throw a tantrum. No, we teach them that when they, we go out shopping, they don't ask for anything. You're going to bring home all the things that we need for the family, to feed the family for the next week. And and maybe you'll even bring home some surprises for the children. But you don't want to ever get them into the habit of thinking when they see something, oh, that they can have it. No, that's that's training them to have an entitlement mentality which so many people have today and it's destroying our nation. We're training our children out of that. We're training them to maturity. We're training them how to serve others. And we're training them for their future marriage. Remember that, precious ladies. Oh, just think of when you are giving in to your children, when you're allowing them to just have what they want because they want it and and, uh, so on. How's that going to help them when they are married? And instead of being someone who knows, who's mature and knows how to serve, they have to be served themselves or they're going to be self-serving. We don't want to train children like that. We're training children to maturity, to be servers. And so this is a sign of maturity because Jesus revealed it. And certainly he was the maturest of us, of us all, wasn't he? I think of Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. And this is a prophetic word of Jesus. And it's looking to the future. He's still in eternity. And it says, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. I often contemplate how that Jesus, who was the Lamb of God, He was the Lamb of God, not when he came to this earth. He was the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world. It tells us that in the Word of God. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And all through eternity, Jesus knew that he was the Lamb. And he had to know that there would come this day when he would have to leave the glory. He would have to come to earth. He would have to humble himself. He would have to become a servant. And he would have to die and take upon himself not only our sin, but but the most horrendous sin that's ever been committed in the world, the most painful sicknesses and heartaches that have ever been felt in this world. He took them upon himself and he took our place and died in our place. And he looked toward that. But what were his words? Yes, it's written in the volume of the book. This is God's plan, the plan of salvation to redeem mankind. But he says, I delight, I delight to do thy will, O my God. We will never, ever, ever, ever face anything like the serving that Jesus did. We just serve so little in our homes. Surely we can do that with delight. 
Jesus said in John 5.30, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. He delighted to do the Father's will. Precious Mother, in your home, you are in the perfect will of God. You are fulfilling the will of your Father. Your Father God, your creator, created you for motherhood. He created you for this purpose. He created your body to be able to conceive and bear a child, to nurse a babe at your breast, and to be a nurturing, nourishing human being. This is who you are as a female. And as you embrace the precious children that he gives to you, you didn't do it. God gave them to you. You couldn't make conception happen. Conception comes from God. He gave these children to you to care for you to care for and to raise for him. And you're in his perfect will. Can you say like Jesus, I don't seek my own will, but the will of my father. And uh, sometimes you're not really rejoicing in it. You're grumbling it. Maybe you're having a grumbling day today. Can I just remind you, dear, lovely mother, you'll find that when you embrace your father's will, that then you'll begin to enjoy your motherhood, enjoy your life in your home. You will be embracing what you were born for. So don't grumble, but embrace it and live in the joy. Jesus said, John six thirty eight, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. As you get up each morning, mother, what is your purpose? Is it to do your own will or the will of your father in heaven? We have two choices every day to do our own will, what we want to do, or yield our lives to the Father's will, to do what he wants us to do. And of course, it's very plain when he gives us children, that's the work he's given us to do, the work. We're talking about serving God willingly, the work, the work he has given us to do. And when he gives you children, that's his work that he's given you to do. And so you embrace it. You put aside your own will. What are you saying? Are you saying amen? Do you know that the sheep say amen? And God calls us his sheep. There's two animals that God likens his people to. Well, really, his people, he only likens them to sheep. Uh, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Uh, My In the Psalms, he also calls us his flock and his sheep. Uh, In the New Testament, talks about goats, but the goats, uh, they're the ones when the judgment seat comes, the sheep will go to the right hand of the father and the goats to the left. 
And what do the sheep say? The sheep are a very submissive animal. They're a meek animal. And they say, Amen. But what do the goats do? Well, the goats, but, but, oh, but, Lord, but, 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 oh, do I have to do this? But I want to do this. They're always butting. And if you've ever had a goat, you'll know that they love to butt. That's one of the differences between the sheep and the goats. Yes, so let's embrace serving because that's what it means. Serve means to work and work means to serve. I think of the story of Rehoboam. Do you remember Rehoboam? That was Solomon's son who became king after him. And after Solomon died, the people came to King Rehoboam and they said, your father, he ruled us with a pretty strong hand and he took lots of taxes from us and he did. Solomon was an amazing king and he established the most richest kingdom in the world at that time. Maybe it was the richest kingdom in the world of all time if we compared the monetary value to what it is today. I mean, his kingdom was just filled with gold. Everything was just about made of gold and and uh, the temple was made of gold and his home was made of gold and, and all the most amazing things. He was just the most wealthiest king. and uh, But he, to do this, he had put taxes and so on on the people. Anyway, so they said to Rehoboam, now, if you will just lighten the burden upon us, we'll serve you forever. <clears throat> and so Rehoboam thought, well, what will I do? So he went to the elders who had always advised his father, the, the older men of God, and he said, what do you think I should say to the people? And they said, this is what you should say to them. Okay, um, if thou wilt be, and they said, if thou, this is First Kings 12, 7, if thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. Now that was interesting advice, uh, especially when it was given to a king. This wasn't told to some ordinary person. It wasn't told to um, just some servants. No, this was spoken to the king reigning in Solomon's stead, in the most wealthy and wealthiest kingdom in the world at that time. And these elders are telling him, now, Rehoboam, if you'll be a servant to your people and you'll serve them, they'll serve you forever. Well, he thought, oh, I don't know about that. I'll see what the young men say. So he went to all his contemporaries and all his young fellows and said, hey, what do you think I should say? And, uh, of course, they told him the opposite. They told him to just make things harder than ever. Let me see. Yes, and he took notice. I'm looking at First Kings chapter 12. And uh, he took notice of the young uh, men around him, he didn't take notice of the older men who had wisdom. And in verse 13, it says, And the king answered the people roughly, and forsook the older 
men's counsel that they gave him and spoke to them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And what happened? The people fled. They just went off, and they chose another king, King Jeroboam. And poor Rehoboam was only left with two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, because he didn't listen to those wise words. But weren't they interesting? Words to a mighty king, and yet they were words to serve. Now, we are not queens, although we are. We may not be a literal queen, but we are queens in our home. Uh, and we are ruling over a domain. But God wants us to also be servants in our home. And I want to just tell you a little bit. I was talking about sheep. Um, I'm quite familiar with sheep, having come from New Zealand. New Zealand is a sheep country, and wherever you drive in that beautiful land of Glorious green hills and and fields and paddocks. We call them paddocks in New Zealand. P-A-D-D-O-C-K. That's a paddock. You don't use that word here in USA. But we have sheep all over these beautiful paddocks. But did you know that the sheep is an animal that serves and loves to give? In fact, it is the most giving animal of all animals. All the year round, the faithful sheep grows its wool. And it doesn't grow it for itself. It grows it to give away. Now, every year, once a year, or even twice a year, uh, it's now become more popular twice a year, to shear the sheep. And the shearer shears all the wool off the sheep. And the sheep, it doesn't grumble, it doesn't complain, it doesn't kick, it doesn't fight. But it submits and yields and willingly gives its wool for the blessing of others. Jesus himself was likened to a sheep in Isaiah 53, 7 as a sheep. Before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Of course, that was talking about him being the lamb led to the crucifixion. And uh, I, as I said, I'm a little familiar with sheep. My father, having been the world champion sheep shearer in his day, I'm sitting here in my living room doing this podcast and looking at some of my pictures on the wall. I I often call my home a sheep house because I have lots of memories of our country of New Zealand. I have sheepskins and I have pictures of my father shearing sheep and uh, also pictures of him at the big tourist uh, show in New Zealand called Agrodome where they used to, well, they still do, but he's, of course, passed away now, uh, but where he used to entertain people and uh, show them how to shear a sheep and how they train the sheepdogs. But I want to read you something here, and this is written by, not my father, but his brother, uh, Godfrey Bowen. 
who was also a great man in the shearing world. He wrote a book about sheep and shepherds, and I'd love to read you this. How impressive the sight of the giving sheep. The soft, valuable wool contributed so willingly by the humble sheep who, when shorn, stripped bare and a little cold, has given all that it has to give. What a wonderful sacrifice. And once shorn, that sheep is off again, away on the range to grow it all over again. The sheep makes no fuss, waits for no compliments, for its wondrous fleece, because it has given as a sheep is always given, because this is what it was born for, this is what it lives for, to give willingly all that it has. And then he goes on to say, the more we give, the more we receive. The more we give away, the more comes back to us. The more we serve, the more we grow in happiness contentment and peace of soul. And so, lovely ladies, as we talk about working willingly, serving joyfully, will you do that today and realize that serving is not something to be looked upon negatively, just as submission is not to be looked upon negatively. They are beautiful attributes They're both beautiful attributes of God. They're attributes he loves to see in us, his people. And because they're his attributes, they're in us. Yes, we can squash them because we are demanding our own way. But when we yield to him, he will live these beautiful attributes of serving and submission through our lives and they will bring beauty and love and joy to our marriage and bring beauty and love and joy to the atmosphere of our homes. Amen. Let me pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you so much that you came to this earth to give your life to serve. You didn't come to, you didn't hold on to all the glory that you had in eternity, but you gave it up for us. Lord God, we ask that you will help us to have the same attitude, the same attitude that Jesus had, and that you will just come into our lives and Fill our lives with your beautiful attribute of serving. And, uh, Lord, that we will delight to serve because you delight to serve. You said, I delight to do your will, oh, my God. Help us to to delight in your will, delight in our mothering, delight in our homemaking, delight in our serving our husbands. We ask that you will do this in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.